0: This podcast was recorded at Grace Point Church of Orville. For more information, visit us online at orogracepoint.com. Psalm 126. It seemed like a dream, too good to be true. When God returned Zion's exiles, we laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortune. We were the talk of the nations. God was wonderful to them. God was wonderful to us. We are one happy people. And now, God, do it again. Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives so those who planted their crops in despair will shout hurrahs at the harvest so those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with armloads of blessings. Psalm 126 in our ongoing series of these songs of ascent pilgrims journeying up to the city of God headed to worship and celebrate in the presence of God. And this psalm reminds us that joy is a characteristic of that pilgrimage. Joy is a concept that comes up again and again in the Gospels. Paul In his uh, list of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, joy is the second one on the list. Jesus' own miracles, the signs that he begins to do, his first sign in the Gospel of John is turning water into wine. It's a joyful celebration. It's a wedding. It's a time of excitement and hope. And when we look at the Bible, what we find is that walking with the Lord, being a part of God's people, is not a call to stoicism and drab, dour, facial expressions, but it's supposed to be a life of joy. The writer in our reading points out, and I think this is a good distinction to make, joy is not a requirement of Christian discipleship, It's a consequence. It's not something that you command people to do. It's not one of those things you say, okay, we're all going to be happy now. Um, Smile (laughs) type of thing. It, It doesn't work like that. Joy is not something that can be manufactured or created. It's a product of abundance. Joy is the natural result of living and celebrating and enjoying God's blessing in our life. And that opening phrase to me is just so powerful. It seemed like a dream, too good to be true. And I thought, you know, for us, this is true. I mean, can anybody here relate to this recognition that that when I look at what God has done for me, It's almost like it's a dream. It's just too good to be true on some level. That's the nature of our relationship. That's what we are celebrating today. That's really our testimony. Our world today tries in all sorts of ways to manufacture joy. And you can't create it. It can only be the outflow of what God is doing. You, you can't manufacture it. You can't somehow uh, you know, create an artificial version. There, there is no sweet and low version of joy. And when it comes to joy, you're either, it's either real sugar or it's nothing. Now, if you eat all those artificial sweeteners, the Lord bless you. But I ate a cake once that someone had made with, what is that yellow stuff? It's Splenda. They said it's made from real sugar. Well, then just use real sugar because he told us, oh, it'll just taste the same. It didn't taste the same. It just was not. I and again, I'm sorry if you can't eat sugar. Um, I feel bad for you. I will mourn with you, but don't put Splenda in my cake. Just put regular sugar in there. And joy is a similar sort of thing. There is no real substitute for the joy that comes out of the exuberance of a life lived in fellowship with God. And the entertainment industry in our culture, all of the diversions, the distractions, they are poor substitutes for a joy that is lasting, a joy that endures. And if you're not experiencing joy along the journey... Don't beat yourself up, but pause and say something's not right. Maybe I have some misunderstanding about God, some confusion about what God expects of me or what God is doing, right? This is not a song that's sung in isolation. Joy is a song you sing along with songs of help, songs of providence, songs of security, songs of repentance. It's part of the package. It's included in this pilgrim journey. And if you notice at the very center of the psalm is that phrase, we are one happy people. That should be true. Thinking about last week's lesson, you know, there's that old song, we're a happy people, yes we are. That's what God intends, what God Wishes and wills for his people. That's the center of this particular song. We are one happy people. That's a present tense declaration. And it's bounded by past and future. If you look at the words that come before, it's speaking about things in the past. If you look at what follows this declaration, we are one happy people, it's speaking about the future. Why is that important? Well, if it's joy that comes from God, it's not a momentary thing. It's the song of our life. It's something that we used to do. It's something we do, and it's something we will continue to do. It's not just a, well, that was a one-off thing. I had one day of joy, and now it's over with. Or one of these days, I hope I'll have one day of joy. No, this is supposed to be a song that's characteristic of our entire journey. When we start walking, joy should be produced in our lives. As we continue to walk, joy should be produced in our lives. As we move into the future, we should expect that joy will continue to be produced in our lives. So why were we joyful in the past? This song hints at some important events in the past. It alludes to Events within the history of Israel, when God returned Israel's exiles, we laughed, we sang, we were the talk of the nations. What was so wonderful about this? Well, when you look in scripture, you see there's a series of events, probably going all the way back to the story of the exodus. Why are they celebrating? Why are they excited? God brought them out of Egypt, and that was a miraculous thing. God's people in slavery, in bondage, for hundreds of years. No future, no hope, and then one day, God sends a deliverer. And in a short period of time, they go from being slaves who are being beaten and killed to Dancing and celebrating on the shores of the Red Sea. God delivered us. How did we get here? It's amazing. It's a miracle. It's hard to believe. You would never believe how it happened. This reminded me of a story that I once heard, that even if it's not true, it makes the point, about the little kid who came home from Sunday school and his mother asked, what did you learn today? And he said, oh, I learned all about the exodus. He said, you know, when they got to the Red Sea there and they built that big old pontoon bridge and they were racing across and the Egyptians came and God sent those fighter planes down and they bombed the Egyptians and blew them up. And the little kid's mother said, that's what they told you in Sunday school? And he said, no, he said, but you never believe the version they had. Right. That's but that's how salvation is. You'd never believe it, how it worked. What happened to you? Well, Jesus called me and I answered the call and I went down in the waters of baptism and came up and he filled me with the spirit and everything's different. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's like a dream. It's just amazing. It's wonderful. This is the sense that you get here in this psalm in Exodus 15. Listen to how they they sing. I'm singing my heart out to God. What a victory. He pitched horse and rider into the sea. God is my strength. God is my song. And yes, God is my salvation. This is the kind of God I have. I'm telling the world this is the God of my father. I'm raising the roof. God. God. Delivered us. God brought us out. And out of that exuberance, we sing. And you can keep walking through the history of Israel. You find the story of David, who has this long, twisty life. We often think he went from killing Goliath to being the great king overnight. There was a journey. He had to deal with all kinds of chaos. He was fleeing for his life. At one point, he's living out with the Philistines, but God sees Him through, and in Second Samuel, you read His song: "God is bedrock under my feet, the castle in which I live, my rescuing night. Blessings from my rock." Right? There's this song, this celebration, that God has taken care of me." Now, the most explicit connection to exile here is probably that of the Babylonian captivity. What a traumatic event. Foreigners come in, burn down the house of God, destroy the city of God, haul people off. These folks experience the worst that they could possibly imagine. Being exiled into foreign lands, being separated from families, separated from the house of God, the place of God. And yet you still read Isaiah. Chapter 40, verses 1 and 2. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak gently and tenderly to Jerusalem, but also firmly and boldly that she has served her sentence, that her sin is taken care of, forgiven. A few chapters later in Isaiah 43. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Keep reading. Isaiah 52 How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messengers bringing good news. Voices, listen, your scouts are shouting, thunderclap shouts, shouting in joyful unison. So you see in the prophets, even though they go into exile, there's this word of comfort. There's this word of assurance that ultimately leads to joy. God's people are not given a perfect path. But through the path that they walk, as God journeys with them and does great things for them, the result is joy. Notice, this is not the equivalent of what we contemporary folks often refer to as happiness. Happiness is a really transitory thing. People are happy one minute and just it's gone away and now they're back to some disaster before you know it. Joy here is the overflow from living in fellowship with God. And that means that joy can happen in all kinds of circumstances. It doesn't just come out of good moments of time. We don't just have joy when things are going well, but it's this God's taking care of things, God's leading us, God's guiding us, and so we can continue to walk forward with God. Joy has a history. I love that phrase or the the way that our writer uh, describes that, right? He says, joy has a history. Joy is the verified, repeated experience of those involved in what God is doing. It is as real as a date in history, as solid as a stratum of rock in Palestine. Joy is nurtured by living in such a history, building on such a foundation. Why are we joyful? Because we have been journeying with God and there's a history to that. There's a reason we smile. There's a reason we are able to celebrate and rejoice and think about the good things that God is doing for us. God has been faithful all along. And this song reminds us, don't forget what God has done for you. Don't forget the blessings of God in your life. Don't forget that God has redeemed you and blessed you because when you live in that, the overflow will be joy. If you are constantly focusing on everything that is wrong, that doesn't produce joy. Complaining doesn't produce joy. People who are disgruntled and critical And sort of nitpicky types of people. They're not joyful people. Joyful people are the folks who live constantly in the declaration and the celebration. God's doing good things. God's at work, right? They're inhabiting that story. This is what happens here. How is it that these pilgrims, as they are traveling, are able to sing? Because they're living in the story of their redemption. They're talking about it. They're reminding themselves, oh, do you remember what it was like when God delivered us and rescued us? It was like a dream. It was so wonderful. And that produces joy. That produces genuine, heartfelt hope and excitement about the present. Now, it doesn't just stay in the present because on the other side of this phrase, we are one happy people, is a future forward looking expectation. That's the beautiful thing about true joy that comes from living in the abundance and the presence of God. It has a history and it has a future. If God is the source of our joy, then we can look at the past and say, look what God's been doing. It's characteristic of his action down through time. So what should I expect in the future? I should expect God to be the same. The best way to answer the question, how are we going to get from here in the present to there in the future? Is to look and say, we're going to get into the future the same way that we got here from the past. Often people, they 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 and I don't know if it's unconscious or what, but somehow they imagine or they get this strange idea God brought me from the past to here, and now I have to go from here to the future on my own. Why would I imagine that? That's not how, that's not the story. The storyline is we got here today because God rescued us, God redeemed us, God reached into the chaos and did what we couldn't do for ourselves. So when we look at the future, we can have joy and expectation. Why? Because he's the same God. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. In in Greek, a more literal translation, which I find delightful, is Jesus Christ is himself yesterday, today and into the ages. He is the same. He remains our faithful guide, our provider, our redeemer. And so, just as joy builds on the past, it expects good things in the future. And in our song here, there are those two images. The first one, that of the rain. And he says, and now God, do it again. See, that's why we can be joyful. Because only people who have experienced the power of God can say, do it again. Think about that. When you say Lord, save me again. What you're already admitting is he's saved you once before, right? Our song is not God finally save somebody. No, we sing save again, deliver again, restore again, because we are the people with the history that say God's already been doing this stuff. So when we stand here, we're happy people and we look at the future and we say, and now God do it again. What a hopeful phrase. And the imagery first here is the rain. Life that sometimes can be dry. And in Israel, they have lots of deserts. They have lots of areas where the sun beats down. And if you don't have, you know, water coming out of a tap. You look forward to the rain. You look forward to the showers of God. And so even in the midst of the summertime. In the hot, dry land, these pilgrims sing, Lord, do it again. Send the rain. You've done it in the past. It's hot now. It's dry. It's parched. But we're going to sing for joy because we know you're going to bring rain again. So even in adverse circumstances, there's still joy. It's not naive. They're not pretending that it's not dry. They're acknowledging it's dry right now. It's hot. This this is wow, this is rough. Do it again, Lord. Send rain. And then the image they also have in this psalm that they're going to sing about is that of planting seeds. Planting seeds is something that you do by faith. But the interesting thing is this. Where do seeds come from? Stuff that already grew. By planting the seed, you're entering into that story. Do it again, Lord. So those who planted their crops in despair will shout hurrahs at the harvest. The willingness to plant the seed. You have to wait. And it takes time. It takes faith. But it's not a random, irrational faith. When you plant your garden, you do it because chances are you've already experienced this. Either your parents or your grandma or your friends or somebody else has planted seeds and you've watched how it works. And yes, you're going to have to wait, but it's not a a wait. Even if you plant it and you're really, you know, at the beginning of the year you plant. And I don't know if this happens to you, but when you're planting that seed seed, You're just sometimes you can get almost depressed because you know what's going to happen, but you want it now. You you plant a seed, you do all this work, and there's this almost this sense you're just like, oh, I gotta wait. And you water it, and you come out, and there's nothing there. And you come out, and you look, like, oh, it's sprouting. No, that's Bermuda grass. I can't get the Bermuda grass out of this garden. You know, people in some parts of our country plant that stuff on their lawns on purpose. What is wrong with those people? <laughs> Hopefully not you or anybody yeah, listening to me. But in any case, right, so this writer, this song, even acknowledges that, that there are those who are going to sow seeds, and it's weary, and it's difficult. And in in this song, even it says those who plant their crops in despair. I don't have anything else. I'm just going to plant this and hope God will do something. And the song of joy says, do it again, God. Do it again. It's rough. It just looks like plain old dirt, nothing growing. But we're going to sing because we have a history. We're going to sing because we are part of a story. These folks in the psalm, they knew what trouble was like. They knew what difficulty was like. And this song reminds us that the strategy for achieving joy is not to try to eliminate all the problems of the world. That's what some people try to do. Well, I want to have joy, so I'm never going to risk anything because if I risk, I'm just going to be I'm just going to be Disappointed. I'm never going to trust anyone because somebody will let me down. Uh, I need to banish anything that can hurt me from my life. And then I'll have joy. That's not this song. This song says that even risking and being disappointed. Working and suffering. Being in slavery and difficulty. These things don't preclude us from having joy. The Apostle Paul In Romans chapter 5. He says we continue to shout our praise. Even when we're hemmed in with troubles. Because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us. And how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue. Keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. We sing and shout our praises to God through Jesus the Messiah. In Philippians. Paul, writing from his prison cell, concludes and says this to the Philippians. Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up at any minute. Joy is comes by living in the midst of God's great works. There is plenty of suffering in the past and in the future, but the pilgrim who's walking with God should expect that they would be able to declare, we are one happy people, not because our lives are perfect when we sing And when we celebrate and we worship together, it's not because we've solved every problem in the world. It's not because there is no pain and no difficulty. We sing because we see and we have seen again and again on this journey that God delivers us, God redeems us, God rescues us. It's miraculous. Miracle after miracle happens in our lives and in our community and in our larger story. So we sing and we celebrate and we look at the future with confidence. We look at the future with an understanding that, well, this could be rough. But do it again, God. Help us out again. Bring rain again. Let the seeds grow again. Why? So that those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with armloads of blessings. That's a beautiful image. It's a joyful image. It's an image that conveys this sense that even in difficult times, God's people at the end of the journey come in with an armload of blessings Piles and piles of good things. God is not stingy. Our joy is not dependent upon some good luck that we've had that's allowed us to escape hardship. Our joy is not dependent on our good health or our bank account. Our joy is real even in the midst of pain, of suffering, of loneliness, of misfortune, this psalm reminds us God has done great things. We got to this point today because God exceeded our expectations. So we're singing, we're celebrating, we're rejoicing. And when we walk out those doors to face the world, we're going to keep singing and we're just going to say, Lord, do it again. Do it again. When we encounter dry, parched circumstances, we're not going to pretend, oh, everything is great. We're just going to lift our voice in joy and say, Lord, do it again. We're not ostriches with our heads stuck in the ground somewhere pretending like the world is perfect, but we are a joyful people who have been walking with God. And this is what we should expect. This is our hope This is our confidence. This psalm, and I want to read the last paragraph from our reading because I think it sums this up really, really nicely. On the very last, on page 102, this psalm introduces us to the way of discipleship, which has consequences in joy. It encourages us in the way of faith to both experience and share joy. It tells the story of God's acts, which put laughter into people's mouths and shouts on their tongues. It repeats the promises of a God who accompanies his wandering, weeping children until they arrive home exuberant with armloads of blessings. It announces the existence of a people who assemble to worship God and disperse to live to God's glory, whose lives are bordered on one side by a memory of God's acts and on the other by hope in God's promises and who along with whatever else is happening are able to say at the center we are one happy people i'm so glad today that i am walking with jesus and our voice when we sing this song it's a testimony to the world around us you don't have to have a perfect life to have joy you don't have to be rich to have joy you don't have to be able to run a marathon and leap over a wall to have joy. You can have joy in the midst of whatever circumstance life has thrust upon you. You can have joy when you're young, and you can have joy when you're old. It's good for the people of God to sing. I know I remind us of this often, but it's, it's crucial We sing together as a people to remind folks, you can be healthy and have joy. You can have joy in the midst of great sickness. You can have joy when life is good. And you can have joy when things are just, it's pouring cats and dogs of bad things. That's our song. We testify to that and it's important not only for our own benefit, but if you remember, one of the hopes of the pilgrims along the journey is come and go with us. Join with us. Don't stay here. Come walk with us. And I'll promise you this. Nobody wants to join a bedraggled, sad looking group of folks who have no hope and no joy and no peace and no confidence. So, for the benefit of the people who are watching us walk by, let us sing. If somebody has to tell you to have joy, you're missing out on your relationship with God. You need to stop and say, where am I? Where have I gone off track? Because walking with Jesus should produce some joy. This is our calling. We are one happy people. That's Psalm 126. Next week, we'll look at Psalm 127. Thank you for listening. Our podcasts are made possible by generous donations from listeners like you. To hear more, visit us online at orogracepoint.com.